In today's show, I'm going to recap the first four hours of NBA free agency, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. The NBA has begun its free agency process officially. Lots of deals announced, I think 40 plus at this point. I'm going to go over all of those plus a few trades that's happened in the last couple of days. There are a bunch of deals that have half been announced, um, which I'm not going to not gonna cover in today's show because I'm waiting on things like dollar amounts. So we'll probably get to those in tomorrow's show. Plus, we've got an absolute shitload to talk about today. So let's get stuck into that. But today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. So let's go with some trades that did happen over the last couple of days. Josh Richardson heads to Boston in exchange for Moses Brown going to Dallas. A lot of people love Moses Brown. I think he's awesome. I think he's this excellent long-term stud player. I know that he put up some okay numbers in OKC. I do not think that we should be viewing him as a future star starting center. There is still Muxy Kleber, Dwight Powell, Willie Cauley-Stein, Christos Porzingis, who are all going to play center minutes in Dallas. Sure, stuff can happen. Guys can get traded. But this is not the situation where... We look at this scenario and go, well, now now Brown has got this clear runway where he's going to be able to put up huge numbers in uh, in Dallas. I don't think that's anything of the case. The Josh Richardson one's interesting. Of course, they lost Evan Fournier today. They've lost Kemba Walker. So Marcus Smart is probably going to be their starting point guard unless he gets dealt. And Joshy Richardson could very well be the starting shooting guard next to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Is there enough there for him to re- return to having top 100 value? Probably not. Still might just be that guy that you put on and off your waiver wire, but a lot of people hold on to for far too long uh, for fantasy this year. But a decent enough piece of business for the Celtics and for Brad Stevens with that deal. But the Celtics weren't done there because they made other deals. They also, uh, of course, they've already made the Kemba Walker and um, uh, Al Horford deal. We know about that one. But they also sent uh, Tristan Thompson to the Sacramento Kings. And they got back Chris Dunn, Bruno Fernando, and a 2023 second round pick from the uh, Atlanta Hawks. And then DeLon Wright went to the Hawks. So three-team deal. Dunn, Fernando, and a second rounder to Boston. DeLon to the Hawks, Tristan Thompson to the Kings. Now, at this point, Tristan Thompson could be the Kings' starting center because I don't have any confirmation of what's happening with Rashawn Holmes. I do expect him to be back, but we don't know that yet. Dunn slides in as a backup. Uh, Bruno Fernando, third string center in Boston. And DeLon Wright is likely going to be the backup point guard, backup shooting guard there in Atlanta. So probably not much fantasy value. Tristan Thompson, even at his best in 30 minutes a night, is not someone that we look at to be any sort of top 100 guy. But that is a trade that's worth mentioning, uh, especially considering that move. Dylan Wright, I think, is really interesting. He won't have the value he had last season playing as a backup in Atlanta, but he will be pretty valuable, I would uh, I would say, for the um, for the Atlanta Hawks in general. The other trade that happened, Derek Favors, he was sent and 
really salary dumped to the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, favors and a future first round pick was sent in exchange for a future second round pick. Of course, that is just the Jazz getting off of the favors salary so they could have more room to sign Mike, re-sign Mike Conley and not have to deal with luxury tax uh, considerations. So that one is done. It's in the books. Favors probably is the starting center, but he will be very much on the Al Horford diet, I would imagine. Rests, limited minutes, shutdown potential happening at the end of the year. And while he could be a guy that we look at as a late-round pick, the upside there is pretty low. And the games missed will make it uh, really tough to continually hold on to him. That would be my guess anyway with uh, Derek Favors. But of course, other stuff can occur. Let's just go through now these um, deals that we did have occur today. We sort of heard about this first one yesterday. And that is Kyle Lowry signing with the Miami Heat to be their starting point guard. Lowry has signed a three-year $90 million contract with the Miami Heat. Um... He's 35 years of age, so that's going to obviously take him to age 38. That is a lot of money to be paying someone at that age. He was signed and traded for Goran Dragic, Precious Achua, and a second-round pick. There is The Raptors' center position is still in flux. We don't know if Kim Birch is coming back. We know that Nick Nurse loves Chris Boucher off the bench. Maybe they're in the mix for Rashawn Holmes. That's a possibility. Uh, Achua, I don't think he's a very good NBA player at this point. I don't think he's really got huge upside to become very good personally. Um, But there is a chance he could go and put up numbers if there's no one else that's going to take those minutes. Dragic, I don't think he's going to end in Toronto. I think he'll probably end up in Dallas and almost definitely won't be a draftable fantasy guy. Lowry's value, I think, takes probably a little bit of a hit. It does make Miami better, along with one of the other signings that they made, that, that combination of getting P.J. Tucker, which we'll talk about later on. Um, that works out pretty well uh, for the Heat to get Lowry. What it does for Kendrick Nunn, um, again, still remains to be seen because Nunn is currently unsigned at the time of me recording this, which I am recording this at 10 p.m. Eastern, actually like 10, 10 15 Eastern time. PM. So any trades that go through after that, I won't be covering on this or not trades. Any signings that go through after that, I won't be. Um, I won't be going through those deals. Quite obviously, because I don't know what they are. All right, let's look at the next deal that went through. Lonzo Ball goes to Chicago, a four-year, eighty-five million dollar contract. He was signed and traded for Garrett Temple, who was also had to be signed. So a double double sign and trade. Garrett Temple, uh, Thomas Sadaransky. And a second round pick, Temple signed a three-year, $15 million deal, which was um, partial, I think, or non-guaranteed in that third year. So the big news, of course, there is Lonzo, the starting point guard now next to Zach Levine. Kobe White was probably going to miss the beginning of the season due to his shoulder surgery. But Lonzo is a much better player than Kobe White and a much better point guard than Kobe White. Lonzo is going to have some pretty good value in Chicago, would be my guess. Uh, Really excited to see what he's able to do there. You know that Lonzo's value for fantasy is generally pretty high. That's pretty interesting to see him there. Um, Yeah, their their lineup still, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but they did bring in another guard in Alex Caruso, which we'll talk about later. Hard to know all the fantasy value of these guys, of course, because a lot can still happen. But Lonzo Ball, I think it's a win for the Bulls to get Ball, and the the cost in terms of sign-and-trade was pretty minimal. Um, and that's a, it is an expensive deal, but Lonzo, I think, is better than a lot of people realize. And that's a pretty, pretty good contract to get Lonzo Ball in there. 
Um, all right. So, Rock Auto. This is the place, if you're looking for parts for your car, Rock Auto is the place you need to go to with ever-increasing number of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why would you endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? With Rock Auto, you can, you can save time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Okay, let's move on to the next one. We are looking at Tim Hardaway Jr. Going back to the Dallas Mavericks. Four years, $74 million for Hardaway. He had a really strong second half of the season. His first half of the year wasn't that good, but he put up some pretty good numbers. He is 29. That's going to take him to age 33. He's made a ton of money in his career, which is absolutely fantastic for him. I know the Mavericks probably felt like they had to do this, and, and that's probably true. I am not certain that it's a good deal. A little bit under $20 million for Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't think that you need to commit four years to him, and I think it's going to get pretty ugly towards the end of it, to be fair. Uh, I'm just not not as big of a fan for Hardaway. We know Hardaway is really hot and cold in fantasy as well. We've seen that. He doesn't provide much else apart from shooting. When that's off, then shit goes wild. He's still going to have basically the same role. Maybe he plays a few extra minutes in Dallas this year, depending on what they do. We know Josh Richardson is gone now. So that could potentially um, help them out in uh, in that area, or he could help them out in terms of getting um, some more minutes. But yeah, I, I don't I don't love it for Dallas, but I don't really hate it too much. This next one I'm pretty, pretty in on. Mike Conley, 33 years of age. Three years. $72.5 million. Conley's better than that. Um, that's you know, 20-something, 20 23 $24 million a year. Um, I know the injuries have been a real concern, but bringing Conley back for these years keeps Utah very, very firmly in you know, Western Conference Finals title-type contention. He's that good. So a really, really strong deal for Utah at a cheap rate when you compare him $90 million to Kyle Lowry. And he's younger. Yeah, I think that's a massive, massive win for Utah. That's same amount of guaranteed money as Tim Hardaway. Yes, it's one year less. So you're paying less per year. But the three years, I think, is important there. Um, I think that's a really, really good deal for Utah to bring Conley back at that price. He played at a really high level. He was an all-star player this year for a reason. And yeah, that that is not an extraordinarily high contract. And it's definitely not an extraordinarily long contract. Barton Will Barton goes back to the Denver Nuggets. He is just turned 30, I think, uh, two years, $32 million. We know he declined his player option, so he could go back to Denver. Um, would have been hard for them to replace Barton. And again, they're a team that wants to push. It's going to be hard for them next season without Jamal Murray for most of the year, but maybe he's back and firing by the time we hit the playoffs. But... By the top, yeah, that that contract is totally fine for Barton. The length is totally fine as well. I think that's a really, really good piece of business for the Nuggets. 
I think it's a good piece of business for Barton as well to get 30 plus guaranteed and then see where you're at at age 32. Really hard to do too much criticism uh, with that deal in general. It's hard for me to criticize this next deal as well, but, but I will. Because he's my butler. Jimmy Butler has agreed to a max contract extension. Um, we know what Jimmy Butler can do. He's a very good player. He's a top 15 player in the NBA. He put up good fantasy numbers this year as well. Jimmy Butler's 32 years of age. And by the time we get to the last year of this contract, he'll be 37, I believe, and paid $50 million. I have this problem with NBA contracts all the time, is that they reward players for what they've done in the past because of the way that restricted free agency and max cap space is set up is that you have to play, pay Jimmy Butler this amount at this time because you couldn't do it earlier. But he's going to get paid $50 million in age 37 season. It's insane. He won't be worth half that by that point. But you're paying him for what he did in the past. In other sports, which I'll use you know, the Australian football, for example, in general, we pay our guys the big money age like two, 24 through to 28, 29. And then as they get older... They start to take discounts to help build around them in the team as their value has dropped off. In general, that's what happens. That you you pay you pay up in advance. So Butler might have made worth fifty million dollars from age twenty eight to thirty two, and we you know our salary cap's not as big as the NBA's and it doesn't work that way. But we would in the AFL you pay that amount there, and then as they get older, their numbers start to come down a little bit. But now in the NBA, you're paying for what someone did in the past because Butler is not going to be worth that. We're seeing it with Russell Westbrook. We'll see it with Chris Paul later on in this show. That they're going to be paid way, way too much at that point in their career. Now you have to do it with Butler. You have to, if that's what he wants, you have to give it to him. It's going to be rough. It is going to be really, it's going to be actually terrible by the time we get to that point in his career. Jermichael Green, a lot older than you think, Jermichael. He is 31, power forward, re-signed with the Denver Nuggets, two years, $17 million. They could be losing Paul Millsap. We know Michael Porter Jr. is their starting power forward pretty much now. Um, yeah, I think this is... Oh, sorry, or Aaron Gordon, however you want to phrase it. So Green coming back as a backup power forward, backup center. Two years, 17 million. For, again, for a team that, that wants to be good the next two years. There's no problem whatsoever with that deal. They are a good team. They will be a good team. That's a pretty solid rate, I think, for Jamal. Maybe it's a marginal overpay. But I don't think it's anything uh, too outrageous with that deal. The next one, the New York Knicks. They made a couple of deals, four deals, in fact, today. First one of those was, it was Alec Burks, 30 years of age, through shooting guard. He got a three-year deal worth $30 million. Now, if Alec Burks is healthy, he's worth more than that. He's very good. He can handle the ball. He can shoot. He can create his own offense. He should have played more last season for the Knicks, I thought. Um. I think that's a totally fine contract. The problem is is because he signed with a one-year deal last year for the Knicks, they had to use cap space to re-sign him. And they had some of the biggest cap space out there. And coming out with the haul of players they did, I'm not sure it's particularly inspiring. Three years, $30 million for Alec Burks. Again, in a vacuum, it's totally fine. And it could have, he's probably worth more than that. But a lot of injuries is a problem. They also brought back Nerlens Noel, who's 27 years of age, a three-year deal, $32 million for Noel, so more than um, Alec Burks. 
But remember, Mitchell Robinson is still there on this team. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. I do expect Mitch to be back by the start of the season. And Robinson can leave after this year as an unrestricted free agent. So maybe the Knicks don't want to pay him there. Um, so they could also bring Taj Gibson back. Like that's yeah, $11 million, $10 million a year for Nerlens Noel as a backup center is fine. But again, why are we going three years on it? Maybe they do bring Robinson back and then they've got $28, $30 million committed to the center position for the next two years after that. I'm not, not really sure of the necessity. Look, I think you could have brought Noel back. I would have done it shorter. And I maybe wouldn't have paid that much, but he is a really impactful defensive player. But with Robinson still there, his ceiling is unbelievably capped still for fantasy, unless, of course, Mitch gets hurt again, which is a distinct possibility. But another one of those ones where they had to bring him back using cap space because they only had him on the team for one year. So it does have an impact on their ability to sign other players. Let's take a look at another big contract going to a center. The Cleveland Cavaliers signed Jarrett Allen to a five-year, $100 million offer. He is a restricted or was a restricted free agent. They got him as part of that James Harden deal where they got in got in there and they gave up some sort of first-round pick for that. Uh, not their own, one of the, uh, another team's. Um, I think Allen's really good. I also think that Evan Mobley's best position will be center and you just drafted him at number three. Sure, maybe they play together early on, but Mobley can't shoot yet. Allen can't shoot and never will be able to, I don't think. So it is curious, is Allen at $20 million a year a tradable contract? Maybe, but in saying all that, I do need to look at it from the perspective that I was talking about with Jimmy Butler before. Maybe you think Jarrett Allen is going to develop into that guy and you've got him from age 23 to 28 under that contract and by the age 27, he might be a dominating center and he's worth $34 million and you've got him at cheap cheap prices. I, I'm not sure he can actually outperform the value of this contract which at $20 million is a chunk. and But they obviously didn't want to lose the asset they had or they acquired in that uh, in that trade. It is a lot, again, after you've drafted Evan Mobley. And I am not convinced that you want those two to be your long-term front court together. I think, I think you want Mobley to be your center. Now, Mobley has a lot of passing skill. He's got some wing skills. He can dribble. Can he shoot? Not yet, but I think it can come. And maybe that happens, but it, it just is a lot to commit there to um, to Jarrett Allen at this point. But again, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't hate it. And that's the best way of me phrasing it. I don't hate it. I don't love it. And I understand that you you are you know, banking in upside there with um with Jarrett Allen by paying him twenty million a year for the next five years. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of that action at BetOnline. They probably have betting on NBA Summer League games as well, which starts next week. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, PGA Golf, and UFC MMA action. So before that next pitch, head to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, betonline.ig, use our promo code LOCKEDON, and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Okay, the next one. Kelly Olenek goes to Detroit. Three years, $37 million. Olenek performed at a really high level last season um, for Miami and for Houston. 
Where he fits in Detroit here, I'm not sure. Back up center behind uh, Elf Stewart. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. Back up behind Jeremy Grant at the four. Alinek can probably still get 24, 25 minutes a night. It's, they just traded out Mason Plumley and bring in Alinek. Now, Alinek, I think, is a better player than Mason Plumley. And as I said on Locked On NBA yesterday, talking with uh, Locked On Pistons host Kuka Hill, we are talking about you know, the Pistons clearing this cap space, but maybe they think Cade's just too good and they're not going to be able to be bad enough to get a high lottery pick next season. So they're like, okay, let's just start developing. Let's push for the play-in. Let's push for the playoffs. And by the time Cade gets to year three, you know, we're there because we're just not going to be bad enough. So let's get some pieces who might be able to help around that. And on a playoff team, Olinik as a bench big man is a really, really valuable player. So I'm not going to hate on that too much. I would have thought maybe a better team would have been more interested, but maybe the Pistons surprise us a little bit this year. Probably not, but maybe they do. The Indiana Pacers bring back TJ McConnell, Timothy John. Four years, $35 million. So that's under, it's under $9 million a year. He is 29 years of age. He can't shoot. I don't think he can ever be a starter, but I don't mind $9 million as a backup, especially if you traded away Aaron Holiday. TJ is going to be getting those 24, 25 minutes a night again for this Pacers team. He's extraordinarily valuable defensively for them. Maybe the four years is a little bit long. It's going to take him through to age 33. Is he going to be even a viable NBA player by age 33? I'm not sure. Yeah, is his best year going to be next year? Maybe, probably. Or is it this year? I think that's all a distinct possibility for TJ McConnell. Good for him to get that money. The lack of shooting and spacing is a real problem with him out there, and that's why it's hard to scale him up too, too much. But it's not a terrible deal. I did love this next one, though. The Phoenix Suns. You can, you, of course, of course, I love this one. Cameron Payne. He's 27 years of age. He signed a three-year, $19 million deal to be a backup. I'd much rather that than say what that TJ McConnell deal was. Payne can shoot. Payne can score. He can pass better than McConnell. Now, he's not as good of a defender as TJ. We know that. But the Suns really needed this. They needed campaign back. He was a key part of what they did in the playoffs and getting to the finals. And that's massive for him to be able to secure some more money and uh, get himself a, a guaranteed deal. So congratulations to Cameron Payne there in what is a pretty solid deal, I think, for for Phoenix and for for Payne. Pretty strong both uh, on both sides of that agreement. Let's look at the Miami Heat now, who did bring in Duncan Robinson. He's 27 years of age, shooting guard. Five years, $90 million. Whew. It's a lot of money for Dunk Robinson. He's going to be age 32. By the end of that, we're talking less than $20 million a year. It's more than Davis Bertans got last season. He's better than Davis Bertans, yes. But the problem always with Robinson is, what does he do outside of shooting? And can he do anything at all defensively? And the answer to both those questions is, what does he do? Not much. And what else does he do apart from shooting? And that's nothing really. The shooting's elite and he takes a lot of contested threes. The five years is probably more where I have the issue here. Yeah, we're locking into five years here, another five years of Jimmy Butler. It's a lot of money for Miami. Robinson's going to have the similar role, but it strikes me as like it's a little bit too high. In four years, 70. I would, you know, three years, three years, 65, I probably would have been all right with for him. But the five years worries me a little bit there. But the overall you know, value per year is not terrible. 
but you just worry about where it uh, where it heads to for Dunk. If the defense, if he loses, or I'm not sure how much voice he can get, or if the defense loses any sort of step there. Tory Craig goes to Indiana Pacers, two years, ten million, thirty years of age, small forward, played for the Bucks and for the Suns last season. Can't do anything on off offense, uh, TJ McConnell style, but excellent defender. So you're throwing him in there behind TJ Warren, Sabonis, Miles Turner. He's not going to have a big role. He's not going to have a big fantasy impact. We're all well aware of that. But solid enough. Interestingly, he replaces Doug McDermott, who we're going to talk about next, as the backup forward. Very, very actually polar opposite games. So if they're running a Craig and McConnell bench unit, along with O'Shea Brissett, they need some shooting out there. Justin Holiday is probably going to have to be that guy. Is he the guy you want to rely upon to be that volume three-point shooter in the bench unit? Yeah, there are some iffy fits there for Indiana, I think, by getting TJ and pairing with uh, Brissett and um, and Tory Craig in that uh, in that second unit. As I said, Doug McDermott, formerly of the Pacers, he has now moved on. He's gone to San Antonio, and they've signed him to a pretty sizable deal. Three years, $42 million for Doug. That is about $14 million a year. It's not bad. We know the Spurs have been crying out for shooting. They get shooting. He'll still just be a bench piece for them. They had a lot of cap space. I'm not sure this is the ideal way to spend that cap space. We'll talk about that. Some of their moves have been very confusing. But for a team that might be losing Paddy Mills off the second unit, might be losing or looks like they're going to lose Rudy Gay as well. Yeah, McDermott can be useful. Can they teach him how to defend at an adequate level? Possibly, probably. But yeah, that shooting is valuable. Again, I'm not sure about the three years, but maybe you had to overpay to bring him in. And the 42 million is probably a little bit too high, but it's not. It's not outrageously high, is how I would uh, how I would phrase that. Now this next one is outrageous, because it's Chris Paul signing four years, $120 million. And let me again rephrase why that's outrageous. Because you're going to be paying Chris Paul $30 million when he's 40 years of age. Now, I know that he's really good. And I know that like every superstar, he's been underpaid throughout his career because of the structure of the NBA. And now the Suns, because he led them to the finals and because he's on their team when he's this old, they're paying the penalty for that to pay him or be on the hook for $40 million at the end of his contract. It's not quite as bad as the $50 million Jimmy Butler's going to be paid at age 37, but it's pretty bad. And Paul, we know what Chris Paul is. He's going to be pushing through to make sure he gets every cent of that and plays every every one of these years up until he's 40. He's going to be trying to get that money. That's what he does. He's the president of the Players Association. And you know what? Absolutely good on him. He should be doing that. Every player should be doing that at every opportunity. But that is, again, it's the function of the cap space, not cap space, the restricted free agency max salary type scenario that restricts players from getting paid more in their prime years. And then on the back end, you just have to, there's, you, you have to cop it. It's, it's bad. It ends up being really, really bad. Jeff Green goes to the Nuggets. My name is Jeff. That is a sizable loss, I think, for um, the Nets. He played a pretty key role there. So they're going to need to replace his minutes at power forward and center. I guess they're assuming that Nick Claxton will step into a more consistent, longer-term uh, or, or larger-minute larger, larger minute role for them this year. Green comes in and will play like that backup center role along with Jermichael Green. So the backup front court is basically set, I'm guessing, unless they're going to bring in a traditional center. But yeah, I, I think that Green and um, Green, 
the, the two Jay Greens, they're going to um they're going to be handling most of those backup uh, forward slash center minutes for the Nuggets. He's not going to have a fantasy impact. We're all well aware of that. But that is uh, it's a it's a pretty pretty decent piece of business again for Denver. I think they've been pretty good in retaining their own guys and then bringing in uh, a useful player here that uh, that can help them. The Sacramento Kings made a couple of moves. The first one of those was re-signing Mo Harkless, who they did get at the trade deadline last year. 28-year-old power forward slash small forward. Two years, $9 million. He played pretty well for them. He does struggle offensively. You would hope that he is just in a bench role, but given how much Marvin Bagley sucks, maybe they start Harkless and Barnes together, which actually would be much better for this team. Um how they all work. There's still a lot of questions in Sacramento about what's going to happen with Buddy Heald and where he ends up going or what he ends up doing. But that's not bad value for Mo Harkless, who can still defend at a pretty high level. And he played pretty well for Sacramento. I think he only wanted playing low 20s in minutes a game, but maybe they do have to start him if they can't find out what to do or what they should do with Bagley. David Nwaba. Three years, $15 million back to Houston. He's 28 already, so a lot older than you think. Really tenacious defender who is going to get minutes there backing up, say, a Jay Sean Tate on the wing. Yeah, not taking minutes away from a Jalen Green, obviously. I wonder who comes off the bench, Porter or Green? Because remember, John Wall is still on this team. And you'd imagine John Wall is a starting point guard. So does Kevin Porter just come off the bench and then Jalen Green starts next to Wall? And then where does Tate fit in? Nwaba, just a nice rotation piece that you have coming off the bench, and that's it's not bad salary, and it's really tradable if you need to uh, need to move off it for any reason. Uh, kids, cover your ears. Uh, I don't know what the fuck San Antonio is doing with this one. Zach Collins, three years, $22 million. I think Zach Collins could be a really solid NBA player. Right? I've said that before. I loved his advanced numbers coming out of college, albeit in a bench role. He showed flashes in Portland. But I don't even know if he's going to be available to play this year. The Spurs sign him three years, $22 million. $7 million a year. It's not an outrageous number for him. But will he even play this year? He's broken his foot like twice in a row, had that torn shoulder. He hasn't played. He played like three games in the 1920 season. And that's it. That's all he's played. He just cannot seem to stay healthy. Um, yeah, I would have been like, let's do a... One plus one with yeah, the second year team option. Two year ten million dollar team option in the second second year. But three twenty two is a lot for Zach Collins. Maybe they believe that foot is fine and it will be fine. And he, he does have something to offer as a backup to Yucca Pertle. But at this point I don't think we can rely upon him to become a starter. Gary Trent Jr. Goes back to Toronto. Now, Trent is young. He is still just 22 years of age, and I think that's really important. I am not the biggest Gary Trent fan in terms of, is he a guaranteed starter caliber player? Because I worry about what the hell else can he do apart from shoot, and that can be relatively inconsistent. Defensively, he's all right. Actually, that's not true. He's probably pretty good defensively, but he can't do anything else scoring-wise. He can't really handle or pass or anything like that. But I think three years is good. The value at 54 is is pretty solid. That's probably the market rate for a guy like that. He's 22, so if you overpay a bit, you're expecting development over the next three years. I think it's not bad business 
for Toronto for a guy they got in exchange for Norman Powell, who we will talk about later. The Philadelphia 76ers bring back Furkan Korkmaz. He's only 24. Remember, they declined his rookie option. And now they've brought him back for two separate contracts after that. Three years, $15 million, fully guaranteed for Furky from Turkey. Just a very reliable bench shooter scorer. And think about this. Doug McDermott got three years, $42 million. Korkmaz got three years, $15 million. Who's a better player? It probably is McDermott. But is he two and a half times of a better player? I would say almost definitely not. So that's a really good bargain, I think, there. Or is it an overpay for Doug McDermott? That's, that's really good. To, three years, $15 million for Korkmaz is a really, really... It's, a, it's the same price as David Nwaba. And to me, Korkmaz is a better player than David Nwaba. So really good stuff from Philadelphia and Daryl Morey to bring him back for that price. The Milwaukee Bucks, the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks, have brought back Bobby Portis. Apparently, he turned down bigger money uh, offers otherwhere, in other places. Two years, $9 million for Portis to re-sign in Milwaukee to be that backup behind Brook Lopez and Yanni Antetokounmpo to play 20-odd minutes a night to provide no defense but a ton of offense. That's what he does. He'll be high usage. He shot the ball extraordinarily well. I'm not sure that I really imagine that's going to be something that continues every year of his career, but he is a good offensive player. So good on Bobby winning a championship and now getting a a nice little $9 million guarantee over the next two years. Relatively solid deal there. Mike Muscala is the next one. And I tweeted this out today and people were like, oh yeah, he's a really good team player. Like, why would you be surprised about this? I'll tell you what I'm surprised about because I don't think Mike Muscala should be a priority. Yeah, I don't need to hear Mike Muscala deals prioritized in free agency. He might be a good team player and a good mentor, but to me, he's a minimum salary center. So you don't need to pay more than the minimum salary for Mike Muscala. That's my issue there. Like if Mike Muscala hadn't have been signed this year, I wouldn't have said, gee, that's a massive shock. Like why, why is no one signing Muscala? I think he's just a minimum salary guy who ends up with two years, $7 million out of this deal from the Thunder. Now, Mascala is going to come in and play behind Derek Favors in OKC, um, which is, you know, fine, but he's not going to be any sort of needle mover, I wouldn't have thought. After um, Dallas missed out on a few of their free agency targets, they bring in Sterling Brown from the Rockets. Sterling Brown shot 40% from three last season. He has been really up and down with his shooting numbers over his career. I wonder if he can stabilize now as a good shooter. He's a really good wing defender. And that's just a nice piece that you don't pay much for, two years, six million, to basically replace sort of what Josh Richardson was doing for the team last year. So I think that's, yeah, at a cheap price, it's a really, really good signing to throw him out there as that um, as that defensive guard, three and D wing player for Sterling Brown going to Dallas. The next one. This is what the Knicks did with their cap space. Evan Fournier, $4 million. No, no, not four. Four years, $78 million. So basically 20 a year, 19 and a half a year. There is a team option. So like all of their other contracts, they all go for three years. So they're just hoping for blank cap space in three years, apparently. It's 28 years of age. Shooting guard will likely be their starting two. Next to, I imagine, Emmanuel quickly. He can handle the ball a little bit. He can shoot sometimes. Is it too much for Evan Fournier? It's probably a little bit too much, but it's not far off. 
But again, when you have that much cap space and you come out of it with just bringing back your own players, plus adding in Evan Fournier, can the Knicks actually even replicate what they did this season by getting to the four seed? Because you would think that the you know the paces might be better, the Heat will almost definitely be better, uh, the Hawks will probably be better. So does Fournier? When you have $53 million, does Fournier plus bringing the band together back together with Derek Rose, uh, who we'll talk about in a sec, um, uh, Derek, Derek Rose, uh, Nolan's Noel, and Alec Burks, does that make it all make sense? I don't love it for the Knicks. And the length of those deals is uh, is pretty long. You know, three years or four years in Fournier's case with a team option. The other move that they made here is bringing back Derek Rose. He's 32 years of age, Rose. $43 million for the next three years. Based on how he's playing on a per-year basis, I think it's pretty solid. Do I expect him to be a $15 million player at age 35? No. Will they start him at point guard? Or maybe they do. Maybe they just start him there. But he's going to miss time. We know that. That's just what he does. He's old now. Um, It's not far off the value. But again, it's just the three years, the extra money. I'm I'm not really sold on it. Not real. I'm not really sold on it. It's fine. It's totally. And all of these Knicks deals in vacuums are fine. Fournier is fine. Rose is fine. Burks is fine. Noel is fine. But putting them all together, it feels pretty underwhelming to me. The Chicago Bulls bring in Alex Caruso. Four years, $37 million for Caruso. So he slides in as a backup guard replacing, yeah, you got Lonzo that starts, and then he comes in and replaces sort of Garrett Temple, who can play the the one and the two, next to Kobe White, who's going to miss the start of the season. I think that's really quite good value for Alex Caruso, who offensively has his struggles for sure. He is a good three-point shooter on low volume. He's an okay passer. But always, whenever he's on the court, much like Lonzo, they just have an impact on winning. They are positive when they're out on the court. So this is really strong from the Bulls. Really strong. I think it's really poor from the Lakers. Now, maybe Caruso, and I don't really see why this would be the case, The Caruso just said, yeah, screw you guys. I want no part of coming back. The reporting seems to be that they just did not value him at all, and they couldn't even match. They couldn't even give him like $10 million a year to stay. That, to me, is pretty poor. Because... Remember, the way the Lakers are structured this season with those Westbrook-Davis-LeBron contracts is that it doesn't actually cost them to bring back Alex Caruso, but you can't actually replace him because they have the mid-level, that's it. So they can offer a mid-level, mid-level contract, but otherwise it's minimums. But with Caruso, because you had his bird rights, you could go over the cap. So basically, what my understanding is, is the Lakers just didn't want to have to pay luxury tax. The poor Lakers, the poor mum and pop shop, mum and pop store, small businesses that are just hurting so much, they couldn't pay the luxury tax or didn't want to pay the luxury tax to bring back Alex Caruso at $10 million a year. So he said, fine, you, well, you guys are going to give me $3, 4000000 million? I don't know what the actual reporting on that is. He said, I, that's fine, but I need money. I haven't been paid yet. And they said, oh, we don't want you back. Now, maybe they can make do with minimums, but he's really important for this team. And I just think it's a huge, huge mistake for the Lakers, and it's a win for the Bulls. Let's look, Don't get me wrong. Now, Caruso is not a game changer. Well, actually, defensively, he can be. 
But he's not like, man, Alex Caruso needs to be $16 million a year. But $10 million a year for Alex Caruso is not an outrageous number at all. I think for what he provides defensively, it's really, really market value. And uh, the Bulls get themselves a nice little bargain. The Phoenix Suns solve their backup center issue because Jalen Smith is not ready and may never be ready. So JaVale McGee comes in, one-year, $5 million deal to be the backup center. Dario Saric, remember, is out for the season with a torn ACL. So McGee has a one-year, plays behind DeAndre Ayton. It's a great piece of business from Phoenix. McGee, amazingly, is already 33 years of age. Comes in, is the backup there, always someone to watch if he has to start because of injury. But yeah, really good from Phoenix, I think. Um, frustrated at this one. Yeah, when they waived him, I thought, all right, good. Finally, we don't have to have Dwayne Casey dicking us around by playing all these huge minutes to Corey Joseph. But now, Corey Joseph is back. Two years, $10 million, and they gave him a player option. Fuck. Serious. Like, Corey Joseph's a guy that acts like a good defender but isn't, can't really shoot, and is not the greatest passer. All this does is make me be really scared about what Casey's going to do in terms of taking guys like Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham off the ball for stretches so that Corey Joseph can play 30 minutes. Absolutely petrified of what Casey's going to do in that scenario. Joseph's totally fine playing 18 minutes a night as a backup, and you hope that it doesn't impact those other guys. But I've seen this Dwayne Casey story before, and that worries me a little bit. It, really, it does worry me. But having a capable... If, look, if his role is just to be a backup point guard, having someone capable there is really, really good. But I do worry a little bit. Daniel Tice goes to the Houston Rockets. Now, I think that Tice, four years, 36 million, I think that's a really good contract for a good team. Unfortunately, Houston is not a good team. They're, they acquire him into the Victor Oladipo uh, trade exception by sending cash to the Bulls. Where the hell does Tice play? Are they going to start him and Christian Wood together and make Jay Sean Tate play the three? What does that mean for Alperen Shengun and Usman Garuba? Not that they were going to play big roles this year anyway, but it really limits that. I thought Shengun could contribute a little bit, but they're never going to have big enough roles. Is this acquiring of Tice and drafting of Shengun and Garuba? Not ideal for Christian Wood's future in Houston. I think that's something we have to potentially ask ourselves. And Tice is probably not going to be a draftable guy. But he might play 27 minutes a night next to Wood, behind Wood, and yeah, be really, really a useful player for Houston. But is he what they need? Or are they getting him and then going to flip him later on? It's, it's, a, and it's a weird one to to put my head around because I think he's really, really good for a good team and for a bad team, I'm not really sure what he offers, unfortunately. Speaking of not sure what he offers, Trey Lyles, two years, $5 million to Detroit. Interestingly, all of the Pistons signings today were all from Canada. Trey Lyles has been bad for a while, barely played for the Spurs this year, shouldn't really play at all for the Pistons. Grant, Dumbaya, Bay, Olenek, these are all the guys who should be getting those minutes at the four. Um, so I guess this is just insurance, but why you're paying anything more than the minimum for Trey Lyles is uh, confusing to me. Reggie Bullock goes to the Mavericks three years, $30 million. Now, Bullock is already 30 years of age. 
So I think you'd be again. He he was a uh, I think senior when he was drafted by the Clippers, and he's bounced around for a bit. So he heads to Dallas, and he basically comes in, and he also replaces um, Joshy Richardson. Now it'll be him and Hardaway getting those minutes along the wing there. He'll probably play 27 minutes a night as a shooter. As Hardaway plays 29. Now you've got Dorian Finney-Smith still there. Bullock is an elite source of threes for fantasy. We know this. The price for him is totally fine. It might be a little bit off at age 33, but you're paying $10 million. It's not a massive amount for Reggie Bullock. I think that's a pretty good signing for Dallas to bring him in at that price. PJ Tucker goes to Miami. Now, Tucker's already 36. He gets two years, $15 million with a player option. He'll slot into their starting lineup next to Adebayo with Robinson, with Butler, and with Kyle Lowry. And it makes them a lot better having PJ Tucker in there. Um, it makes the Bucks worse. And I wonder what they're going to be able to do to replace what Tucker provides for them. Maybe just more minutes for Bobby Portis. This does make Miami better. Um, and the price is reasonable. And he gets to live in Miami. So I'm sure he's pretty happy about that. The Atlanta Hawks solve their backup center issue. No, this doesn't have an impact on John Collins. But Onyekara Kongu is going to be out until sometime in January with that torn shoulder labrum. So Gorgi Jeng comes in. He's 31 years of age. Again, older than you expect. One year, $4 million. Absolutely 100% reasonable contract. And he is very, very useful as a backup a backup center. Really, really useful. Really good in that role. And he played very well last year for Memphis and San Antonio. He was very good. And I think that's a great, great signing for Atlanta. Let's talk about a confusing one now. Let's go to New Orleans as they sign and trade for Devontae Graham. 26-year-old point guard, four-year, $47 million. And you go, well, that's a lot less than Lonzo Ball, mate. Yeah, Devontae Graham's a much worse player than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo is a better passer, a better defender, and an equal shooter, and a better two-point shooter. Graham is just an absolutely horrendous, horrendous two-point shooter. He hits good good percentages on his, um, on his threes, on some difficult attempts, and that's useful. But I don't really, I just don't really get what direction the Pelicans are going here. They signed and traded him for a lottery-protected first-round pick, their own first-round pick. So they gave up a first. They gave up Lonzo Ball. They gave up, they've given up a lot of things that I'm not sure makes them any better. Will Devontae start for them? Or did they want to, I thought they wanted to bring Kyra Lewis and Nikhil Alexander-Walker in to start. I'd say Alexander-Walker is definitely starting. And it'll probably be Graham and Alexander-Walker. So at least you get quite a bit of outside shooting or guys who have no hesitation shooting from the outside. Defensively, I think that's going to be rough. I think your creation's a little bit down. Defensively, yeah, it's bad. Born's in the hands of Lonzo for sure. I don't know if Lonzo, of Zion for sure. But I think I would rather have. No, I would rather have Lonzo and keep my first round pick than have four years at 47 for Devontae Graham. Yeah, I don't like that decision from David Griffin at all. And the last deal we're going to talk about today is Stormin Norman Powell. Now, this is a lot of money for Norman Powell. Powell started out last season playing pretty poorly. Five years, $90 million, 28 years of age. Now, he shot the three ball well, and he's had some really good shooting seasons, but I don't know what else he does. Now, you're paying $90 million to him over five years. It's a long time. You've got a long CJ McCollum deal, which is horrific. 
You got a long Damian Lillard deal, which again, we all love Dame, but at the end of that contract, it's going to be bad. Is how long until CJ's out? It feels like he's gone real soon. Are they just going to be going with Powell as their starting three? He's not quite big enough for that, I don't think. But yeah, they they got a, they well, they didn't really get away with it. They did they played it a lot last season with him at the three. It's just a lot of money for Norman Powell. It is yes, it is. It's like seventeen and a half, eighteen million dollars a year. Actually, it's eighteen million dollars exactly. It's not a bad number. I just at age twenty eight, committing for five years. If you said to give me three years, sixty four million, three years or yeah, three years, sixty million, I think that's totally fine. You know, it puts him through to age thirty one. Not bad price, but the five years is very long term for Norman Powell, and I just it, it's a lot of money, man. It's Duncan Robinson money. Um, I think Duncan Robinson is probably a more valuable player than Norman Powell, and Robinson's one year younger. And again, you traded away Gary Trent, who signed three years, fifty four, and Trent is six years younger than Norman Norman Powell. And I'm not sure that Powell is better than Trent. He probably is, but I'm not. I'm not convinced that he is. So, before we go, these are the deals that we've heard of but don't have money numbers on. So, I'm going to talk about them tomorrow if we get confirmation. Trevor Ariza to the Lakers. Cody Zeller to the Blazers. Wayne Allington to the Lakers. Dwight Howard to the Lakers. Solomon Hill to the Hawks. Blake Griffin to the Nets. Boba Marjanovic to the Mavericks. Alex Len to the Kings. Nick Batum to the Clippers. And Kent Bazemore to the Lakers. And then any other deal that happens from here on out, we will talk about on tomorrow's show. So don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app while on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Ring the notification bell. Guys, we are done here. Fred is off. We're running. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.